So, uh, first of all, for those watching us on Facebook Live now, right now, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're feeling better real soon. But today we're getting started. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this because Ephesians is one of my favorite books of all time, right? Like, it's one of those books, like, I've read, like, one of the books in the Bible that I've read, like, 170,000 times because I'm so excited about it. So, the notes that I have for today may not necessarily be, go along with the screen. So, I'm sorry this is your first time running that back there, and it may not follow it exactly, but it'll be all right. Just keep up, all right? But glad you joined us on Facebook Live this morning. Glad you guys are here. But here's why I love the book of Ephesians so much, is that it taught me that you don't need to pull yourself together, wipe your tears, or hide your pain to be with Christ. You don't need to pull yourself together, wipe your tears, or hide your pain to be with Christ. That's the good news. See, I grew up, and whether they intended it to be this way or not, I don't know, but the church that I grew up in, it always seemed like everybody there was like perfect, right? Like it was always like, and if somebody else did wrong, it was like, ooh, bad on them, right? Or if you disagreed with them, because, you know, disagreement's a big deal right now. You know, if you disagreed with them, it's like, hey, listen, uh, we, we don't believe that here. Well, okay, cool, but what if you're wrong? You know what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't you like to be right? You know, you know what I'm saying? But, like, here's the thing. Like, I always grew up thinking that I had to be this. Like, I remember the time, the day, the, um, Wednesday night, that I prayed the prayer, you know, and... Beside the creek, beside the creek to, to accept Christ. I remember, I thought I had to be this perfect person, right? So us kids would always play hide and seek, hide and seek after uh, services were over. Luckily, this was even vacation Bible school, so there was even more kids there, right? So we'd always play hide and seek. But since I prayed the prayer beside the creek, I couldn't play hide and seek anymore because I'm a Christian. We had this. We had this. This. We had. I, we oftentimes grow up or we, we start to believe this weird thing about our faith in Jesus, about our position in Jesus that's absolutely not true at all, right? That <laughs> you have to be this way or that way. And, and here's the crazy thing is that all those things, all of our pains, all of our tears, all those, all those like, things that everybody says you've got to pull yourself together about, they've been redeemed in the cross of Jesus. These things have been redeemed. You can rest in the fact that you don't, have to do because it's already been done. Your tears are already wiped away. You've already been pulled together, not by yourself, but by the Creator. You've, you don't have to hide your pain or mask your pain anymore. In fact, your pain becomes your story, the thing that pushes you forward. <coughs> I love the book of Ephesians because it teaches us this. It teaches, it's a, like I said it last week and when we said we are going to talk about it, it's like if you took away all the other books of the Bible, and you just had Ephesians, you would survive being a Christian. Because it tells us our position, our position in Christ and what Christ has done in the first three chapters. And it tells us now, therefore, since you know these things, since Christ did these things, and that you are positioned in these things, go therefore and do this. This is how you should live. And in the next couple chapters, it goes on to say, on to say but while you do this, just know there's going to be a war for, for you. You're going to be at war with the enemy. So if you, if you just had the book of Ephesians, it's packed full of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. <coughs> it contains the gospel, it contains the gospel, theology, doctrine. It, it has practical things in it, like this is how you live, knowing these things. And like the book of Ephesians is this incredible, credible, credible book. And 
here's what I love what Watchman Nee, how Watchman Nee describes the gospel presentation in, in the book of Ephesians. This is what Watchman Nee says. <coughs> God has gone one stage farther in regards to creation and has, has completed also the work of redemption and that we need do, need do nothing whatever to merit, merit it, but, but can enter by faith directly into the values of his finished work. This is saying all those things that we were told growing up that you have to do this, this, and this to please God is absolutely not true. Now, there's some ways we should live, absolutely, as a pleasing offering to God, but to be accepted by God, we don't have to do these things because we have already been accepted. It's his finished work, not ours. It's why the writers of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrew would say this. He would say, <coughs> glory for whoever has entered God's rest, has entered God's rest, also rests from his works as God did from his. You don't have to keep doing and doing and doing because God has already done through Jesus Christ. Your position in Christ is rest. No need to work for approval. No need to work for approval. No need to work to, 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 seek, to seek God's face. It is God's already here. All we need to do is place our faith given us in him. Because what we're going to figure out when we get to Ephesians 2 is that even the faith to believe in him was given to us by God. Like you didn't even have enough faith to even believe, so he had to like give you something. Here. Just take this. All we need to do is place the faith given us in him. Our position is made available in what Christ has done, and there is now an open position. That's the title for today. There's an open position for you, and maybe you're watching on, on Facebook right now, or you're going to watch this later. There's an open position for you. You ready to see what Ephesians says? <laughs> I'm going to grab my water back here real quick. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I just want to pause here just for a second because right off the bat he tells us one of our first positions. Anybody know what it is? Paul, an apostle of Christ by, by the will of God to the who? Saints. You are positioned as a saint in Christ. You don't have to go through some canonization process like in the Catholic Church. No, no, no. These people were living <laughs> and, they, and he's saying, saints, you are saints, you are, you are, you are saints in God. Apostle Christ Jesus said the, the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. So not only do we need grace to save us, but we need grace to get us through the day. Grace isn't just something that you, you get at salvation, but something that you get every day. His mercies and grace is new every day. <clears throat> and I love this third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who is what? And notice, notice that word, this three-letter word right before that. What does it say? Has, which means it's already been done. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every. Which one's? Every, all of them, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You may want to know what your heavenly blessing is. We're going to find out here in a minute, one of them. <clears throat> but 
But because we are seen wrapped in Christ, in union with Christ, okay? Since we are wrapped in Christ or in union with Christ, we are already lavished with blessings, right? This verse means there is no limit or borders to God's blessings. In fact, everything that God wants to bless you with, he's already lavished out onto you. And he's already poured, it's there for the taking. It's already given to you. Everything God wants your life, in your life has already made available to you. And the question is, are you walking in it? Have you accepted it? <clears throat> Let me hear, we'll keep going here. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, it says this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us. And that's a little bit of a scary word, right? All predestined means is to determine beforehand. Thank you so much, you're awesome. <laughs> he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Here, I just want to pause here just for a second and just say, talk about the word adoption. Like we're going through that process right now with Hayden and, Hayden and Jax, right? Here's what adoption means, is that you've been chosen. Like he's God saying, I choose you. I choose you. And that, that gets me a little bit excited because that means like it's not based on my merit or anything that I've done, but he decided to choose me beforehand, before I made up all my mistakes, before I screwed up, screwed up. He said, Noah, I'm still going to choose you. Like he knew, I say, I say this all the time, especially when I talked about Ephesians 2, like how many of your sins were future sins when Christ went to the cross? All of them. Every freaking one of them. And guess what? He still chose you. He still chose you. <laughs> but don't let those verses scare you. Paul is setting up the rest of his letter trying to get us to understand our position in Christ. You've been chosen. You're mine. Nothing can take that away. Because I choose you. You didn't choose me. I choose you. That's why when people say, well, I found God. No, God wasn't lost, y'all. You with me? Like, no, he found you. You were the prodigal son that wandered away. And the father knew exactly where you were. That's why he stands on the porch and waits and waits to run back. For you to, to run back. Because you notice, the son, if you remember the story, we're going to talk about it a little bit more in a minute. <laughs> but the son was walking, trying to figure out what he's going to say to his dad for approval. And the dad already started running toward him. He says, you're my son, I choose you. you don't, but don't worry about those verses. Like He's just letting you know you've been chosen. <laughs> I've already made it right. Because when God opens the door, nobody can shut it. We can say it like this, because we live in cancel culture. You can't cancel what God calls. You can't ca cancel what God calls. You are mine and I am yours. I'm adopting you. I'm choosing you. I'm bringing you in. I'm paying everything to make sure you're taken care of. But many of us hear this conflicting voices in our head, right? Especially when we mess up or when we screw up or when we don't do things the way we were told we should have done them all this time. Like, 
you hear these voices in your head like, you're not good enough, you're not doing that good enough, so can he really be in union with him? Do you think he really wants to adopt you with you acting that way? Oh, you shouldn't have done that. Now God is angry with you. And we, we begin to believe this voice in our head, trying to convince us opposite of what our actual position is in Christ, that we are sons and daughters of the king. He tried, this voice tried to tell us, give us a position somewhere lower than where Christ has placed us. And here's what you need to know about, the, about this day, especially as we go through the series and we begin to learn about the position that we find ourselves in in Christ, is that it's not the voice you hear that determines where you end up, it's the voice you believe. It's not the voice you hear that determines you where you end up, it's the voice you believe. <coughs> so listen to the voices. Listen to the critics. So which one are you going to believe? That will determine where you end up. Because you should believe the voice of God. You want to know why you should believe the voice of God? You want to know the, one of the blessings that he has poured out on you that's already made available? I love this. Verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of, the, of his son and, and forgave our sins. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So your first position in Christ is freedom. You are not bound by sin anymore. In fact, the only control sin has over your life is the control you give it. Because you have been set free by the blood of Christ. And you can't let your past define you anymore because guess what? You've been forgiven. It's actually a twofer. You've got freedom and you've been forgiven. So walk like it. Walk like it. This is redemption. He redeemed us. Or redeemed means to buy back us. He brought us, bought us back from sin. This means that you are valuable to him. You are worth something to him. When that voice says you are not worthy, you have no value, you should just go on and you should just disappear. No, the, the cross... What Jesus did on the cross shows us that we have value and it can't be taken away. To the point, you have value to the point that, that the point of giving up his life on the cross so that we could be his. He did so much more than to say, I would die for them. He did it. That's why John 15, 13, John wrote this. Well, actually, John, Jesus said this, but John wrote it down. He said, the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. And the great love is and this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. He laid down his life for you to give you freedom and to forgive, to forgive you. But he also wants you to know at the end of the day, guess what? You are his prize. You are his prize. You are his reward. <coughs> this is why Hebrews, did I put Hebrews in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are his prize. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on, jo on the joy of knowing that you would be his. The joy of knowing that you would be his. Why did he do it? 
because you would be his. No other reason. So that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So why did he do all this? So that you could be positionally his, covered in the blood of the Lamb. So if somebody says who you are, he bought me, so I'm his. He paid the price, so I'm his. I act in fact, I am his reward. I am his prize. I was what he was fighting for. I was what he was fighting for. <clears throat> he goes on to say this in Ephesians 1.8. He says, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. So he had a purpose set forth in Christ which was to redeem us, do the sacrifice that would be perfectly and blameless as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. The counsel of whose will? His. So everything that happens to you in life, we can celebrate because it's part of his will to get you to where he, get you home. Well, my life just really sucks right now. Well, great, it's one step further for you to be able to stand face to face with your Redeemer. Our position in Christ as being heirs as being sons and daughters of the king, tells us that whatever is Christ is ours. That's inheritance. <laughs> That's inheritance. We have unlimited resources in Christ. We have an inheritance to draw from. Although that we don't deserve it, he always gives us the best. You look at the story of the prodigal son, right? What does he do? He goes to his father and says, just give me what's mine. And the father lovingly does what? Gives it. He lovingly gives it. And most people, the story think, like most people think the point of the story is all he, like he, the son was just like the son was like stingy. He just he was he just wanted what was his. Like he wanted like his arrogant little thought he knew it all kind of kid. And in fact, I think it's quite the opposite. I think it's the story of the father, not the son. You with me? You tracking with me? Because the father, even though we don't, he, the son didn't deserve it for him, the time hadn't came to give it to him, the father says, go ahead and take it. And he goes and squanders it away. And it's like the father knew. Like the father knew. Like the father knew that one day my son, my son's going to return. And if, when he returns, I'm actually going to give him something better than his, his stuff. Because when the son... Starts walking back. The father runs off the porch. What does the father do? <laughs> runs. Runs to him and says, what? Get the finest robe. Get the shiniest ring. Place it on his finger. Because he is sealed. He is my son. Now the older brother, the other Christians in the world, is like, I can't believe God's blessing them. Oh my God, like, why is the father doing that? Like He lived this way, blah, blah, blah. Right? The father's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You've been with me the whole time. But my son has finally come home. So we're going to give him the best. We're going to, there's, it's like this endless, unlimited, like I said at the beginning, unlimited 
There's no limits, no borders to what God wants to give to us. <laughs> it's like our inheritance just keeps on coming. We have unlimited resources in Christ. We have an inheritance to draw from. Although we don't deserve it, he still gives us the best, even when we've wasted away what he's given us in the, in the, in the future, in the past. He goes on to say this in Ephesians 1, 12. He says, <laughs> God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would, would bring praise and glory to God. That didn't happen, right? And I really think, I wish the translators here would have put but instead of and, but it's still good, still good. Because this is, this is mine and your story. And now, you Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. What's the good news? If you are saved, you're positionally His. You've been bought back. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own. What was He fighting for the whole time? What was His reward? That you would be His. He identifies you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. He goes on to say, the Spirit is God's guarantee. God's what? Guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased, purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. <laughs> The giving of the Holy Spirit is our seal that, that can't be broken. The Spirit is the sign that we are His. We are signed, sealed, and delivered. I thought about singing that, but it probably wouldn't sound too pretty right now. He has sealed you. He has said, Nothing's going to break the seal my spirit's living in you, you're mine, I've adopted you, I've paid the price, you don't have to worry about it, it's all taken care of, you are my reward, like you don't have to pay me back because you are my payback, you are my reward, I, you are positionally mine, we carry his name. And he closes out this first chapter, even though there wasn't no chapters in his letter, he closes out this section by saying ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and you love and your love for God's people everywhere I have not stopped thanking God for you I pray for you constantly asking God the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Who's, who are, whose inheritance are we? We are his. We get his inheritance and he gets us. I think that's a pretty good trade-off for us. You with me? Like, we nasty. And we get that jacket, you know what I'm saying? Like, we get that coat. <laughs> I love it. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. There's power. We walk around with power in us. 
I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly places. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me and you. What? Like, no, wait, 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 wait. So that power raised the dead. So does that mean I have the power to raise up dead things in this world? Those dead dreams, those dead values, those dead moral ethics, those dead, that maybe some dead people, who knows? I don't know. But that same power lives in us. What is dead inside of you can be raised. And all you have to do is say, wake up. That's why I like, I love songs that says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. You know what I'm saying? The same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms is now in us. <coughs> and now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And Christ is in us, and we are in Christ. Guess who has authority over the things in this world? Us. All because of the authority Christ has. And has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. That's me and you. Ecclesia, the people. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. With Christ in us. This is the beginning of this whole letter of Ephesians. He wants you to know it's through the blood that you've been redeemed. You are his. You are his reward. So as we walk forward in this, in this you've got to understand the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. Quit walking in fear. Start raising up dead things. You are the sons and daughters of the king. Walk like it. Next week, we're going to talk about my favorite chapter in all the whole Bible, Ephesians 2. He goes on to, he begins by saying, you once were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Worshiping the king and the power of the air, right? Should have been dead a long time ago, he says. He says, but God, but grace. So our first three chapters, we want to talk about our position and what God has done for us. And the great news is, right off the bat, is that you are his and he is yours. And nothing can break that. The God, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here today. Thank you that positionally I am your son. Thank you that you paid the price for us. You paid a debt that we could never pay. And through you, we have freedom, we have power to raise the dead things up in our life. Thank you for the people sitting in this room. I thank you for the people listening to us on Facebook. I thank you for the people listening to us later on, on our website. May we walk in the freedom that we have in you. Walk in the forgiveness that we have in you. Walk with the power that we have in you. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Love you guys. See you next week.